So I wasn't exactly a fan of Mud's Women, but I kind of liked iMud. I was curious what I was going to think of going into this one. So it's also written by Stephen Kendall, who wrote the previous two, although obviously Roddenberry has his fingers in all of these, because that's how that works. And of course, the third and final outing of Harry Mudd, um, as played by Roger C. Carmel. And also the third and final one of our recurring guest stars. So after this, it's just the occasional filmation guest stars, and the big seven who are voicing everything. You know, love potions, or equivalent in fantasy or in sci-fi, should probably be extremely illegal. Never mind ethical. But funnily enough, they are. I was actually in the middle of writing that, and he's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, okay. I also have to give special praise to Mr. Carmel in this episode, because he actually voice acts. Which brings our total number of people who actually voice act in these things up to three. Not counting Kirk in that one episode. So three plus an asterisk if you want to add it to that. God, the storyboarding is terrible in this episode. I'll go ahead and admit it. I actually did like this episode more than I thought I would, despite something we'll get to in a minute. And again, absolutely atrocious storyboarding. But I do think it's funny how phaser-happy Spock is. Not even in a bad way. The phaser is a tool, after all, and should be utilized as one. And the fact that he uses it to dispel the illusion... Well, actually, he doesn't dispel. It's a, it's a creature that has to maintain this illusion, this hyp hypnotic suggestion or whatever. So stunning it would logically remove the, the illusion because it's no longer maintaining it. And then shooting the ground to create this rift in between him and the crowd, well, that also makes sense, because while it's not really going to hurt them, it is most likely set to stun, after all. The fact of the matter is it's going to be a big, loud thing, which people are going to be less likely to jump in or through. So that, I'm actually with that. Surprisingly smart. Poor, poor Nurse Chapel. This is the actual problem of the episode. Nurse Chapel decides not to use this thing initially. Is it because of ethical reasons or moral ramifications or implications of forcing someone to fall in love with her? No, of course not. That would be silly. Instead, it's just because she doesn't believe it actually works. And the big sell is the fact that he has to convince her that it actually works. <sighs> this is dismissive no matter who it's done to, by the way. Any character on this show, any any cast member who decided to go along with this, I would be is tainted with the same brush, right? Like this is this is exceptionally uncool. It's uh, it's funny though because it's it is surprisingly human that she decides to believe, or not the fact that she wants to do it, but the fact that she decides to believe in it, even though it probably doesn't work. After all, that's how spam works. I imagine several of you actually know what that feels like to see an ad or a news article or whatever for something that you know doesn't work. But if it did, and, and then you, you start to think yourself in that direction, and this is why those kind of scams sell so well, is because there's enough people who are like, well, maybe, and decide to buy it, and of course it doesn't work, because it never works. And, well, there we are. So that's neat. Preying on human nature is always fun. 
But what I find doubly funny is it goes from being a crystal to a liquid to a capsule. Sure. But it evokes friendship in people. Excuse me, in people of opposite gender, or excuse me, of the same gender. Whereas it evokes love within people of the same, or the opposite gender. I'm screwing up my... You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I just want you to remember that for later, okay? Do me a favor. Remember that salient point. But this, uh, this is a good time to mention that Trek has pulled this thing more than once, where someone has decided... Th this is where the episode is the flaw. This is what prevents this from being a legitimately good episode, and instead is merely a good episode. Because Trek likes to pull this. Here's mind control, or mind alteration, or mental limits are removed, or there's a potion, or there's a drug, or there's an energy being, right? And it makes people be more amorous than usual. One time it was Luxana beaming thoughts into the rest of the crew. I hated that episode. That was on DS9, but still. And it's almost universally done in two specific ways. One, it's done for laughs. Or two, it's not addressed. Now, what do I mean by addressed? This is... I, I don't want to say it's wrong, but it is wrong. But at the very least, it should probably be discussed. It should probably be addressed. You know, it should probably be a topic point. In, in, this is something that science fiction and fantasy both share. In, th in things where there are concepts such as psychic powers or mental manipulation or straight up mind control or possession or shapeshifters or whatever, or love potions, you'd think that this would be the kind of thing that could be discussed. I mean, frickin' Buffy actually discussed this point more than once and actually used it as a point to address rather than just well, see, my, my reason for bringing this up and my reason for ha hammering on this point is because the episodes themselves never think about the consequences or the ethics or morality of what they're doing. They just do it, and nobody in-universe addresses it. When someone who wants to drug their co-worker so they fall in love with them is kind of a questionable act, don't you think? Now, I'm not trying to get all up in the morality of this, because I still think this is something that they could do stuff with. I still think there's points that could be brought up. We could talk about desperation. We could talk about um, the nature of how these things actually work and the, the extent to which they control or affect or influence. In one case, they said that it magnifies what's already there, which is funny, because the one time they did that, I called total bullcrap on that. Or maybe it completely invents it, actually serves as an inhibitor, and thus causes them other issues. You know, there's all kinds of topics that you could use there and discuss and analyze, and fiction so rarely does, which I just find strange. At this point, it's just straight-up fantasy fulfillment, and I'm fine with a good fantasy fulfillment. I like Saints Row 4. It's a fun game. But I still like to think about the things I'm playing and watching, too. Ah... <sighs> And of course, if I'm being honest, thinking about things is a bit of a fantasy fulfillment for me, but let's not get into that. I'm the weirdo who passes the time on long car trips by playing Dungeons and Dragons because it's a good way to keep mentally engaged. Or, you know, debating points with people and friends, but I'm, again, getting off topic. So, they never actually go into this. They never cover this. Instead, nope, she's just upset that it didn't work. This then leads to one of those other little strange things that TAS likes to do a lot. Someone is simultaneously competent and incompetent. On the one hand, she completely was taken by Harry Mudd. Very human, I'll give you that. But also didn't notice herself being pickpocketed. 
And as several minutes pass, enough time for him to, to get himself out, change the ID thing, use it to access the shuttle bay, etc. She finally, finally notices that she's been pickpocketed. But on the other hand, the moment that she realizes what's happened, she manages to track him down within you know, a very short period of time and take him under custody. Okay, cool. Then she forgets that she could have called for help before she went down there, or call for security before she went down there, and decides to just go herself, and then has him open the comm. Then she gets defeated in a fight with Harry Mudd. You see what I mean? A lot of a because plot here. Why is McCoy in Spock's chair? Now, I mentioned that I actually do like this episode in spite of itself, in spite of the core problem with it. And that's because there's a lot of little scenes which, which actually do make me grin. It reminds me of the overall comedic tone of iMud. For example, there's this bit where Spock comes in. He's obviously worried and distraught. And he's like, McCoy, I... Doctor, Captain, I feel like I'm experiencing emotions. And their reactions are just... What? What? And, and that's it. And then it cuts to the next scene. But that actually got a legitimate laugh out of me. Then there's this bit where he says, Ah, oh, Christine. My love, Christine. And it just cuts to this reaction shot of everyone. And then Marex, or whatever his name is, the guy on the con, is just... <laughs> that actually got me. I'm with it. One of the little things, too, I was almost irritable because Scotty and Marex uh, both make fun of Spock for his, his display. But I actually started thinking about that and put myself into the situation. And no, I'm actually totally with that. Because it's light it's light mockery. They, obviously, they know something's up. And obviously, they're going to try and fix it. But this is this is ribbing. This is comrades slash friends slash co-workers. Who are like, oh, yeah, hey, you know. And that's fine. That's acceptable. This is the kind of thing I could see an actual military doing, for example. Never mind people who have known and worked with each other long enough to become friends. Anywho... <clears throat> So then they have this hell of a setup as she loses the fight so that the crystals can be hit by the phaser and hit the thing and just go onto the crew and sure, have to have our dilemma. After all, we have to have our threat. It's a very important threat. I hate to comment on this, but there's this really tiny little tidbit where um, Angel Barrett is voicing uh, Mares. I think it's Angel Barrett. Pretty sure. I'm going to double check. I'm 99% sure that that's her. I'm still going to check, double-check my thoughts and my words before I speak them. Yep, nope, I'm right. So she's voicing Mraz. Eric's, that's his name. That's the other dude. And she actually speaks the line incorrectly. Now, this is the kind of thing that is not super common in animation, but usually it's the kind of thing that's either flubbed or they just bring them back in and do a redub, you know, just do the line over again. I only point this out because this, once again, is even more evidence for just how incredibly cheap this show was being made. Again, I don't mean it necessarily in a negative, more in an explanative. Explanative? Hmm. Because the line she says is, Mud had landed, past tense, whereas the line, even on the, in the script, and I actually have the subtitles up too, says, has landed. I even rewound just to double, double verify that. And it threw me a little bit, like things like that tend to do. Remember I mentioned the friendship thing earlier? Spock loses his footing, and Kirk's like, I got you. Spock's like, yes, my dear friend, and yes, I'm so lucky <laughs> to have a friend like you. Okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'd ship it, but I'd totally ship it. 
<laughs> How do these things even work, anyways? They engender love at the cost of hate, by the way. It's almost an interesting cost-benefit thing. First make someone very amorous and, and uh, positive, and then make them someone very negative and uh, will destroy everything. That would be interesting, too. Especially if you use that to something. I just realized Harry Potter kind of talks about this topic a little bit. Anyways, because <clears throat> we can have a Voldemort out of this. But I digress. Because that is an outstandingly stupid idea. Best line. Best line of the show right there. At least so far. How do these things affect rock mobs? Also, just because I like to count out little things like this to, to show my work, they call for emergency beam out. Actually, they call for beam out several times, but the crew is so busy being in love with each other that they can't actually answer a call for an emergency beam out. Sure, whatever, let's just go with it. But then when they actually have gotten to the point of, uh, and they're over it, and the emergency beam out call is called in, then it takes them 1 minute and 17 seconds to beam out. This is something I've complained about a lot. Uh, in fact, one of the earliest complaints I've repeatedly made over on Voyager was how people would react in emergencies where seconds count very slowly and boringly. You know, not how you would react in an emergency. In, all, in almost every case, it makes the problem happen because they're going slowly. And that's why that happens, is so that the emergency can happen. Otherwise, they just fix the problem and move on, right? But it's still bad writing, so I'm still dinging it. Ding. But... I do want to comment on something. That love potion apparently only lasted a couple of minutes. It makes me wonder. <laughs> what the hell's the benefit of that? Oh. I, I I guess that does make sense. Never mind, I withdraw the question. <sighs> this is uh this is a surprisingly enjoyable episode despite its many flaws. I suppose the bar has just been lowered so far that that's where we're at. I am, as always, curious of your thoughts, and I will see you next time.